from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. They're putting districts in really uncomfortable positions. I think at the start of COVID, everyone kind of got behind the idea of, oh, we need to pay teachers more because what they're doing is hard work and I can't do this at home was the kind of the cry that we heard a lot of parents say. The problem is we're seeing inflation right. run with that. So we're still treading water. The way our state statutes are laid out, we can't just give a bonus. We can't just say, okay, teachers, you've had a hard year. Here's a bonus. We have to tie that to some other duties, some other uh, That's expectation. State law? That, that is state law. That? I'm Sarah Fenske. Thirty-two years ago, Misty Grandel graduated high school in a small town about 20 minutes outside Springfield, Missouri, called Fordland. Some three decades later, she's still in Fordland, an English and language arts teacher in the same district she graduated from. Misty Grandel was named Missouri Teacher of the Year in 2020. Many rural district teachers eventually leave for bigger districts. Well, not Misty, and she wouldn't have it any other way. I have to say to you that I love teaching rural. Uh, the kids are so sweet. The class sizes are smaller. The communities are incredible. They're so supportive. And so many rural teachers stay because we become a part of that community, and those kids and those people become part of our family. And uh, so when I, when I say that I am a rural teacher, it also means that I'm a community member. But for thousands of Missouri teachers, no matter how much they love their jobs, pay is a huge issue, especially for those earning only the $25,000 minimum salary set by the state. It's just not enough. So many teachers have second jobs. We have about 20% of our teaching staff across the state who have second jobs during the school year. And so that's time that, you know, really is taking away from their craft in order just to be able to afford to live. On April 12th, Missouri's State Board of Education announced that Misty is among the 18 members of a new Blue Ribbon Commission. It's tasked with coming up with clear action steps and proposed legislation to help solve the state's teacher recruitment and retention challenges. While the board's first meeting isn't until June, Misty says that salary has to be a part of that discussion. For most of them, you know, it's just it's a struggle because especially the first few years, getting your craft down, understanding what you're supposed to be doing, working on lesson plans, all of this takes so much time. Even learning how to to uh, go about classroom management can be a, a, a true learning curve for new teachers. And so then if you're putting on top of that the stress of not having enough money and then also maybe having a second job, then this can create a situation where you can be miserable, honestly. And I think that that's probably why we have... Over half of new teachers leave the teaching profession by the end of their fifth year. Now, Missouri's Department of Elementary and Secondary Education has made raising teacher salaries a central plank of its 2022 legislative agenda. The department supports raising the minimum teacher salary from its current $25,000 a year to at least $35,000 a year by 2024. However, Missouri lawmakers haven't raised teacher salaries since 2006. Misty Grandel was diplomatic about the need for action. 
when you're talking about the legislators, then I think that what I would ask is that they just keep working and that they understand that teachers appreciate their work and that um, it's vital. You know, we can't continue down the path we are right now where our starting salary is pretty much at the bottom, where our average salary is at pretty much the bottom of everything, of every state across the nation. And Misty Grandel cautions that taking teachers' passion and dedication for granted is not sustainable. For me personally, I believe that teaching is a calling, that I'm supposed to be teaching. It's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. However, I also feel like that we have to be careful with teachers. Teachers are not martyrs, and we shouldn't ask them to be. Teachers love kids. They love what they are doing. And when we look at it that way, then we also have to recognize that then it's our duty to make sure that we are taking care of them. So it can be difficult, I think, especially for young teachers to choose to stay in the profession. But I also know that for me personally, 27 years in, I don't regret it. And that is Missouri's 2020 Teacher of the Year, Misty Grandel. Two days ago, the National Education Association released its annual report on average teacher salaries. They found Missouri ranked 50th in the nation. And joining us now to discuss this problem and how it's affecting teachers across the state is Paul Ziegler. He is the executive director of Education Plus. That's a consortium primarily focused on St. Louis area school districts. They count 54 districts as members. So, Paul, welcome. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. We're also joined today by Britt Tate. She teaches art at Bryan Hill Elementary. That's part of the St. Louis Public School District in the College Hill neighborhood of North City. And she is that district's 2019 Teacher of the Year. Britt Tate, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be able to phone in while teaching and shuffling things. I hope you're not literally teaching right now, Britt. I know you had to squeeze us in, but... (laughs) I I am not. I just got done with recess duty, and so now I'm hanging out before my next class. So one thing that we have heard so much from from teachers is that, you know, there are already so many burdens on y'all, and that the pandemic just made things even worse. Britt, how are teachers feeling these days at Bryan Hill Elementary? Um, I think that we are tired. <laughs> I, I would definitely say that we're tired, but we, we're very committed to seeing the rest of the school year through. I think we're also starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, as COVID restrictions are lightening a little bit and kids are starting to get back to their flow and, you know, that ebb and flow of being kids again, mm-hmm. um, it's feeling better. Like I, I need to end that with optimism. It's definitely feeling better. It doesn't mean we're not still exhausted from what was before. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. I see that with my own kids. It just seems like they're really feeling some return to normalcy. At the same time, though, I think this pandemic was terrifying for a lot of us parents because we had to watch what teachers do. We're sitting there trying to work from home. We see our our kids doing Zoom classes. And wow, (laughs) that is not an easy job. Britt, has that resulted maybe in some changed attitudes from parents or people saying, Saying, you deserve a lot more money. We're going to give you a big salary increase. So I would say that that's a three-part answer. I think at the beginning, 
we were heroes, right? <laughs> yeah. And everybody was very much like, teachers are heroes. They're doing such a great job. Oh, my God. I mean, because some of us were not only teaching from home, but parenting from home. So, you know, like as, as someone who also has three kids that were in Zoom school, um, you know, negotiating that at the same time. Um, and then we came back into the building and it kind of became well, you know, teachers, they need to get back to work and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so there was that. I think as parents are starting to heal, families are starting to heal, kids are starting to heal, they're starting to kind of come back around and reappreciate and understand why we're advocating as hard as we can to be compensated somewhat decently yeah. <laughs> for the level of work. You know, Paul, I'm wondering if what Britt is describing here, if this rings true with what you hear from your member districts. Absolutely. And I actually hear it at home, too. My wife's a teacher. So so my hat's off to all the teachers. And and really, I think it shows how essential public schools and schools in general are to our communities. Mm -hmm. If we're in turmoil, our communities are in turmoil. And I think people forget that, that we're so interwoven in the fabric of what happens that when when things aren't right with us, they're not right anywhere. And I think yeah. she's done a great job of explaining that. And and that's part of, I think, that frustration when things aren't right. It, it is frustrating for people. So certainly I'm, I'm hearing that tired and and it has been like a, a wet blanket lifted off of schools and leaders and teachers as we've started to return to some normal, as we started to look at mask optional and, and maybe lowering some of those mitigation layers. But again, it, it's still that just tired. It's the, that weathering effect on on the rock that has taken place over the last two years. It's still it's still evident. Hearing Brett talk about hoping to be compensated reasonably decently, <laughs> Paul, have you seen many districts give out uh, big pay increases in these last couple of years? You know, probably not right that first year of the pandemic. There was so much concern over what does this really look like? What does it do for the economy? Yeah. And, and because of that, I think there was you know, I was always a conservative budgeter because the worst thing I can do is run a school district into the ground. So I think there was a lot of that. As we started to come out of it, there's been a lot of stimulus dollars that have kind of been put forth. And and really, I think a lot of districts this year especially are looking, how can we do something kind of extraordinary for our teachers? And I think they are looking at trying to um, make what would be uh, larger than normal raise. But the problem is we're seeing inflation right. run with that. So we're still treading water. You know, we're not really making any progress, I, I think, in a lot of those areas. And, and we pay better in St. Louis region than you would find in outstate, like Missy e was talking about. So certainly we're in a little different position than even some of those situations. Yeah, I mean, so Britt, when we heard from Missy earlier, the rural districts seem to be in such a bad place. But this idea of teachers mm -hmm. having to work extra jobs on the side, is that something that, that uh, you see with your colleagues and for yourself? So I would, I can speak for myself. Um, I have always had a side hustle. Mm. Um, my side hustle has been baking cakes or this year our school district um, implemented an after-school program. That's how we use some of our relief funds to open up more wraparound services and provide tutoring. And they're paying teachers quite well to stay after school. And so I work my, my entire school day and then I drive to my other school because I'm actually at Bryan Hill and Columbia in 
um, the St. Louis Public Schools, and I drive over to Columbia for three hours in the afternoon to facilitate uh, the after-school program over there. Um, because of the cost of things and inflation, and my daughter needs braces mm -hmm. and all of these things, you know, I think the school has done a nice job of trying to find ways so that we at least stay in our bubble mm -hmm. and we um, don't. But the but the issue was, you know, I think everyone's solution is districts just need to give raises. And do I, I mean, would I love that if, you know, if Dr. Adams called me tomorrow and was like, guess what? We're giving you an 11% raise. I would be like, Dr. Adams, let's go out for dinner and my treat. Um, but I think that you know, because everyone's solution was like, well, you have all these ESSER funds, right? So give everybody raises. But but we have to make sure that before districts start dolling out raises and, and upping salaries, that it's going to be sustainable. Because what we cannot afford to do is give everyone a raise and then lay off schools mm -hmm. and close schools and things like that, because we, you know, went bigger than we could. And, and so, you know, do I want something immediate? 1000%. I'm a human. Um, but do I understand why some of it's taking a little longer and there's harder negotiations and stuff like that? Absolutely. I mean, I immediately thought we have $108 million. Like somebody could at least write me a check for four grand. <laughs> yeah, but, it doesn't seem too much to ask. And, and yet, as you say, right? there is that issue of sustainability. Yeah. I mean, so many of these exactly. COVID relief funds, these are one-time funds. Paul, is one that, that part of the problem? We keep hearing about all this money. The money does not seem to be getting to people like teachers. Yeah, that's one of the first things you learn in budgeting is you don't want to budget an ongoing expense on a one-time revenue yeah. source. Um, the other thing that makes it a little difficult in Missouri is the way our state statutes are laid out. We can't just give a bonus. We can't just say, okay, teachers, you've had a hard year. Here's a bonus. We have to tie that to some other duties, some other uh, That's expectation. That's state law? That, that is state law. That? So after, after you enter into a contract in the state of Missouri, you can't increase the, the compensation in that teacher's contract without – asking for something else, whether that's an after duty or after school duty, some extra PD. So again, that's kind of insulting for teachers that are really overworked to say, we're going to give you more because you don't make enough, but we want you to do more in order to get it. So yeah. people have been real thoughtful about how to approach that and how can we do something that makes sense? Because certainly I would say districts uh, have seen an influx of, of revenue through these, you know, ESSER dollars or the... Sorry, what's, what are these ESSER dollars? Uh, so ESSER dollars are, it's, oh, I forget the acronym now, <laughs> Maybe but I essentially, have asked. <laughs> well, we use acronyms it's all the time in education. Money. Yeah, but oh, it's okay. emergency uh, COVID relief dollars that were pumped into education. Gotcha. So there's three rounds of those, some were immediate, and really look to how can we make sure everybody has masks and hand sanitizers, uh, plexiglass, things like that. And then they've more now been about how can we support education as a whole moving forward. And they've been larger amounts and also looking at building quality and other pieces. Okay. But again, they're one-time dollars. So building a, an increase in your salary schedule on those dollars doesn't make sense. So people are trying to be real thoughtful about how to do that, given you know all the other pieces that are you know, also required every year. Yeah. So. And, and Ms. 
Christy talked frankly about some teachers just decide they can't even make this pencil out. This is too stressful of a mm-hmm. job to have all these side jobs going on. They end up leaving the field. Are we seeing shortages in, in these districts that you work with? They cannot find enough good people. Absolutely. And we saw that shortage coming in education prior to the pandemic. And a couple things happened then during the pandemic. It, it was stressful. We did wear people out. We did ask them to do things they'd never been asked to do before and do it in short order. And because of that, a lot of individuals that um, could retire are retiring, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way I could. Yeah. So we've actually have our normal retirement and then we have the retirement that's been accelerated. So that's only exacerbated that shortage even more. I look at, I serve 54 superintendents in our region and uh, I believe about 20% of those will be either new or in a new position next year. Wow. So, and, and we're seeing that statewide with teachers, with leaders. And, and again, it's just been, education's been so politicized. We've always had tough jobs, but now it's become divisive. And I think that's only added to the stress level for teachers and, and leaders throughout the, you know, throughout the state and the region. We're talking today to Paul Ziegler. He's the executive director of Education Plus, a consortium that represents 54 uh, St. Louis area school districts. We're also joined today by Britt Tate, who teaches art at two different St. Louis public schools. Uh, she's the district's 2019 Teacher of the Year. We heard from some teachers on social media. Uh, Chuck wrote on Twitter, I've been a teacher for 35 years, the stress is increasing due to right-wing reactionaries, and the pay is eroding due to inflation. For the first time, I tell young people not to follow in my shoes. Thomas wrote, huge Missouri budget surplus, low teacher pay equals legislators don't value teaching and knowledge over vote-getting culture wars. So sad to hear those comments. Um, Our producer, Danny Wisentowski, also talked to Debbie Schmidt. She's a seventh-grade social studies teacher. She spent more than 20 years as an educator in the St. Louis Public School schools. She says many teachers had hoped the pandemic would spur long-delayed pay increases. Those wishes have so far gone unanswered. I think at the start of COVID, everyone kind of got behind the idea of, oh, we need to pay teachers more because what they're doing is hard work and I can't do this at home was the kind of the cry that we heard a lot of parents say. There's just so much that everyone kind of put on teachers to be the end-all, be-all, the get everything back to normal, get the kids back into school, but they kind of forgot that you know, we are suffering as well in terms of lack of pay increase and expected to still do the same things that we've done in the past for what seems like less. And Debbie Schmidt said that she believes across-the-board pay increases for teachers would be a sensible way to deal with these issues. I would say it's time to increase the salary for all teachers across the state. You know, we are valued members of society, as many people saw at the beginning of the pandemic when they tried to do what we do on a daily basis. And many of them found it very stressful and could not do and and wanted us to be back in the classrooms. We met their call. We made it back into the classrooms as soon as it was safe and we were able to. And we're doing the work. And that is Debbie Schmidt. She's a seventh grade social studies teacher with the St. Louis Public Schools. Britt, you're there. You're working for two schools where it can be hard to work for these schools. And I'm sure you'd also rather be at just one school. <laughs> I understand that other districts have tried to poach you. Are these places that are maybe dangling more pay than the SLPS can offer? Yeah, so um, that's definitely the big thing right now. Um, everyone 
there's not a lot of us left teachers right now and there's a going to be a, an additional exodus I think at the end of this school year um, so I think that districts are trying to find teachers now um, in the hopes that they have enough and one of the things that districts can do is is dangle a little extra money and it's really hard to you know make the right choice for yourself make the right choice for your family stay within your moral and your ethical balance um do i love working at two schools all the time no but i am so in love with where i work and who i teach that like it it if i were to make the decision to leave it would not be the easiest decision at all. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, but money at the same time, I like everyone else have to keep food on the table at my house. I will have three children that eventually will potentially want to go off to secondary schools and things like that. And, you know, and every once in a while, I like to get new shoes too. <laughs> so <laughs> It seems only you know what fair. I mean? Yeah. And, and so... It's hard. I think that districts are smart to kind of play this game right now and dangle what they can. But I also, yeah, I talked to Danny earlier. I, I think that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Hmm. And that is, this is a, this is a state thing, right? And, and yeah, I think because of the legislation issues and because of the salary issues across the board in the state of Missouri, they're putting districts in really uncomfortable positions and forcing them to fight and poach. And, and that's just, you know, that's not right for kids. That's not right for the, the leaders. It's not right for the teachers. It's just a mess. Paul, I wonder if you Sorry, could Dan. speak to that. Yeah, you know, if individual districts starts bumping up salaries, which we have seen some districts do, does that put pressure on everybody? This really is a state problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, we see it all the time here in the region where, you know, our districts that have the resources to be able to pay better yeah. eventually are able to secure the teachers they need, um, you know, and then that oftentimes leads to what I'd call our fringe districts that may not have as much resources. They look to rural communities to to wean the, to kind of lure those people in, and, and that's unfortunate. And, you know, pay is a big portion of it. You know, support's another one. we got to make sure we're supporting our teachers, and that's difficult in a political environment that seems to really be calling into question many of the things we do in school. So recently that's been another layer we've added on teachers. In, in the pay and addressing it on the state level, is just part of it because there are right now le there's legislation to look at that, but that doesn't necessarily address it. And the big we've been at a depressed state when it comes to teacher salaries for so long. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to just dig ourselves out of that. It's crazy that this hasn't happened since 2006. It, it is. It is very crazy. Well, you know we've looked at and talked about it. There, the problem too with Missouri is we are really a locally funded state and we're locally controlled. So, you know, when you look at what the state funds education, and I'm thankful for what they do sure. fund, and they're looking for ways to do more of that this year, but we funded about 49th on the state level. But when you add in our local funding, we get up to about 35th, I believe. And, and when you look at that, really what that shows is those communities that have resources 
are able to fund their schools a little better and in doing so are able to raise their teacher salaries. And the others get left behind. Yes, absolutely. Well, this is such a troubling problem. It was great to hear perspectives from everybody today. I really hope this is an issue people take seriously because we need good teachers. Paul Ziegler, thank you for joining us today. You bet. Paul is the executive director at Education Plus. And Britt Tate, thank you so much for squeezing in this interview. Absolutely. Happy to do it. I really believe in what we do on a daily basis. And I believe in my heart of hearts, none of us want to quit. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.